Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Good evening, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Tonight, once again, my guest will be Lucas Vesquez, who needs to pause the show because I can hear it echoing. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I can still see the echo. Testing. Yeah, we're still echoing. I don't know if that's speakers or what. Um, but either way, um, can you guys hear the echo who are listening? Can you hear the echo? Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, tonight we're going to be talking about um, Occupy Wall Street and what's going on there as far as Zuccotti Park. Um, and with any luck, we'll also be, I'll be giving some updates in regards to things going on in Occupy Detroit. Apparently, both Occupy Detroit and Occupy Wall Street are having a GA at this very moment. For those of you who are new to the concept, um, a GA is a general assembly when all of the members of a given Occupy movement meet and discuss things and try to reach consensus. So, um, Lucas, uh, welcome again to the show. So I'm still hearing myself. <laughs> no problem. Okay. So um how are things going for you now? Now, I know we were talking about trying to get somebody on tonight who had been there, unfortunately. Since that, a very important GA is going on. We won't have that. Um, my next question then would have to be, uh, I mean, you've been calling around a lot today. Have you gotten the vibe of what it is they'll be talking about today's GA? Okay, well, just a second. We might be having some kind of um, technical difficulties. Uh, let me go ahead and connect you.
re-adding him now. We'll see if that works. It's been giving me trouble for some reason. I apologize for the delay, folks. Trying to figure out what's going on now. Testing, testing. Can you guys still hear me? We're going to try this again, see what happens. All right. Testing again. All right. Can you guys hear him now? <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on. I apologize for that, folks. Um, in any case, go ahead and continue, Lucas, what you were saying. All right, hold on, hold on. We're having that problem. I'm sorry, Lucas. For whatever reason, they can't—they can hear me, but they can't hear you. This has never happened before. I'm just going to go ahead and disconnect the call completely and then restart. I apologize. All right, folks, we're back. Um, at least I hope so. I don't know what the problem is. I've been trying to add him via Skype, and it's been saying that it's doing it. And then for some reason, the people on that end are not hearing it. Um, we're going to try this one more time. If this continues to be a problem, then I'll probably have to reschedule. All right. Hello? Go ahead and keep talking. <laughs> yeah, can you hear me well? Yeah, I can hear you. The question is, can they? Because for some reason, they're saying they can't hear you, which doesn't make any sense. Dude, can they still not hear me? If it keeps if it keeps up, um, I'll just give you the phone number to call locally. Okay. All right. All right. So they okay. they still can't hear you. So I'm gonna go ahead and bring you on through the studio. Um, take this number. Uh yeah, hold on. All right. Three four seven. Three four seven. Nine four five. Nine four five. Seven seven four seven. Seven seven four seven. All right, All right. Call, call me back. All right, I'll call you uh, through a phone or like through Skype. Is that uh, through the phone? And, um, because you're gonna file that. Okay. All right. All right. Good. All right, folks. I'm sorry about this. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, now you guys could for some reason hear the echo. That doesn't even make any sense. But um, can you guys hear me now without an echo? Testing, testing, is there an echo? Testing, testing, is there an echo? Yeah, unfortunately, there's a mild delay when you're um, doing these broadcasts, so it, take for, it takes me a while. <laughs> this is, of course, all wonderfully embarrassing because I'm having an important show, and for some reason, there's sound issues. 
So while I'm waiting for him to call back in, um, I'm going to go ahead and give some of the announcements that I had. Uh, I know that that's working. Okay. Anyway, so uh, on the issues of Occupy Detroit, um, we actually uh, managed to get our one-week permit extension that we were asking for to stay in Grand Circus Park one more week to uh, clean things up and get everything ready to go um, as we had desired. We actually got a lot of uh, sympathy from the local um, council people in addition to the fact that apparently uh, you know, there's a lot of support even from the local police force who've said that we've been very good with them. So as a result, they um, are being good with us. And I believe that's probably him. All right, Hello? let's do this again. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry about that. All yeah, right. don't worry about it. Now go ahead. You you keep saying that really great stuff about Spain, so or not Spain, um, Egypt. So please go ahead and um, repeat that again for the listeners. Yeah, definitely. So what I was saying is how um, even if they dismantle um, the the encampment, I don't think the movement will end. Um, so what I was saying is that tonight at the General Assembly, what I suspect that they are discussing and deciding is whether to stay in the park and resist the curfew or go and occupy another park with the same legal status as Zuccotti, or dismantle the occupation temporarily and just meet daily through the General Assembly uh, and Spokes Council, as well as working groups, and just work through there without having a constant occupation to be able to go to. That's what happened in Spain after a month. They dismantled their occupation after a month and went and decided to go out to their communities to set up general assemblies and try to organize in their community and neighborhoods. Um, I could see that being a possibility as well I could see as having another encampment. I see people very willing to stay out during the cold. People are so, have nothing left, you know, that they are willing to stay in the cold to occupy and be in solidarity with their brothers and sisters and sleep out to resist economic injustice. So I see all of those as possibilities. Excellent. Now, um, I know, like, for example, here in uh, Occupy Detroit, we're trying to determine what we want to do as well. And there is, uh, but there have been people who are willing to donate buildings, uh, but it's it's a consistent problem, at least around here, trying to find anything that we can, you know, that, that people who are occupying would be able to sleep in. Uh, like we're getting offers of warehouses, we're getting officers, you know, things like that, but um, it's not anything that people can camp in. And the concern with that is that uh, some people really gave up their houses to go do this. You know, they've, they've moved out of their apartments or whatever. And then in some cases, you know, some of the people who joined the Occupy movement were homeless to begin with. Right. Um, have you, are you guys looking at any of those options in Wall Street? Um, I mean, we we are looking for people to to who are willing to have housing to support housing for those who cannot uh, don't have housing to really uh, maintain them there. Um, so far, we've had a couple of volunteers for that, uh, and we have. I mean, I've heard that we've had some indoor spaces um, as prospects for another occupation. Uh, I see. I see that being a little harder uh, occupying indoors than outdoors. Um, but I mean, I see the biggest possibility in just occupying another privately owned public park. Right. Well, you know, and I understand where you're coming from with that for sure. Um, and I guess now to to talk a little bit more um, because we missed some of the good stuff. You said that um, at 2 a.m. Uh, you guys just basically suddenly got raided by police. 
Um, so take the story from there as far as to what you re- you know what you've heard and what you've seen even. Um, so basically, at 2 a.m. they came and raided the the park. They came in with batons, with shields, with sound cannons, with that could permanently damage hearing. They came in with flash grenades. They came with rubber bullets. They came in with everything, just to uh, dismantle our occupation. So what they did, they created a two to four block radius of uh, barricades. So no one in the park or outside the park could get in or out, especially what they did that for is to avoid from the press recording what they were doing inside the park to evict everyone. People's press passes were ignored and were not allowed in nor out. Uh, Many reporters, even a New York Times reporter, was arrested. um, and, And it just shows how brutal and how authoritarian our police state our state can be using the police force you know um it's such a militaristic move on their part that shows that people say we live in a society of freedom liberty and how we have checks on government but if you see that our police force isn't allowing people to move one block or the or the other it's, it's very weird and it's very conflicting um also what they they actually did um, council member Idanis Rodriguez, who is a council member in the uh, government of New York City, um, was beaten bloody from his head and arrested. And that just shows that they have no remorse uh, and nor uh, uh, no remorse towards these pro- nonviolent protesters. It's just ridiculous how brutal they can be. You know, they almost killed Scott Olson in Oakland, and we don't want that ever to happen here. So um, that was, last night was a close call in terms of uh, critical injuries. Um, they did. Uh, they were successful in evicting us. They had a power wash, and the park is completely cleared. It has been for throughout the day. But then um, a judge issued a court order saying that uh, there would be a curfew at 10 o'clock, and you couldn't bring in sleeping bags, tents, nor tarps. But we could still go in. Therefore, that's why there's a general assembly happening in Zuccotti right now. Um, and besides that, uh, it's just been the police acted, uh, reacted in a brutal manner. Uh, and it's been speculated and it's been, there's been reports online that this has been uh, coordinated nationally by mayors from 18 other cities, including uh, the mayor, Kwan, from Oakland. Uh, so this just shows that the authorities, uh, the governing authorities, are just afraid and have realized that we are growing out of hand for them to, to, to control us. Um, so I feel that their ch- their power is being challenged by our movement, and that's why they're uh, reacting in such a brutal and violent manner. You know, that's that's you know, I was thinking the same thing actually, and I have that article uh, that this, that describes that is that they managed to get somehow anyway. Uh, let me I'll read a little bit of it. Oakland Mayor Gene Kwan admits cities coordinated crackdown on Occupy movement. Um, embattled Oakland Mayor Gene Kwan, speaking in an interview with the BBC, exerted on the Takeaway radio program. Audio of Kwan starts at the 5.30 mark. Casually mentioned that she was on a conference call with leaders of 18 U.S. cities shortly before a wave of raids broke up Occupy Wall Street encampments across the country. Uh, this is another quote. I was recently on a conference call with 18 cities across the country who had the same situation. Mayor Kwan then rambles about how she spoke with protesters in my city who professed an interest in separating from anarchists, implying that her police action was was helping this somehow. Um, interestingly, Kwan then essentially advocates that occupiers move to private spaces and specifically cites Zagati Park as an example. 
quote, in New York City, it's interesting that the Wall Street movement is actually in a private park, so they're not, again, in the public domain, and they're not infringing on the public's right to use the public park. Many witnesses to the wave of government crackdowns on numerous Occupy movements have been wondering about, are wondering aloud if the rapid succession was more than a coincidence. Jing Kwan's casual remark seems to imply that clearly it was. You know, we always talk about, like, solidarity when we're dealing with stuff like this, you know, how we try to do our marches on the same days and, you know, our actions on the same days. And it seems as though, you know, they've kind of gotten the message of that, too. So they're trying to show solidarity of the state and acting against us simultaneously. What do you think of that theory? I think that's much needed, you know. It just shows how we are in unity and we are we represent the same struggle worldwide and nationally. Um, it's very important to show people that across a uh, nation on other ends of the coast that we are with, we are with them when they are being shot by rubber bullets. It's important for them to know that we are standing in the streets in solidarity with them. We are resisting uh, the government and injustice with them alongside them on the other side of the coast, wishing we would be with them. And solidarity is what—it's what really makes up our movement. Because solidarity is the general strike that happened in Oakland. It is everything that we have been battling for. It is the money we've shifted from big banks to credit unions. It just shows how much power solidarity can have inside this movement. Right. I was referring to the fact that it seemed as though that the cities themselves, the state, was showing solidarity and trying to attack all of the Occupy movements at once. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant the other way around. No, I agree that solidarity with us is definitely important, but I guess the question was I kind of got a gut feeling that it was as if the state was trying to show solidarity itself, you know, just to say, you know, don't mess with us, well, anywhere, or this is what's going to happen. Right, and, yeah, you know, it's like the opposite. Uh, they are showing so – the governing authorities of each state are showing solidarity between each other, and, and uh, they know that acting in unison together, and if they're all on the same page, they will have more power, obviously. Um so they and they don't want uh, any of these movements to spring up in any more cities. So they think that if they battle it collectively uh, in in short periods and and act repressively, they will eliminate this movement, which is completely wrong. But you know, um, they think that together, acting together, they'll eliminate us. But that's not going to happen. Obviously not. And I know we've all been saying the same thing at Occupy Detroit now. Um, there was, we were talking about judges earlier. I did have that article that I showed you earlier from CNN. Judge orders New York to allow protesters with tents in the park. Uh, a New York judge issued an order Tuesday allowing Occupy Wall Street protesters to return to Zuccotti Park just hours after scores of riot police ordered them out and tore down their tents. The order from New York Supreme Court Judge Lucy Billings allows protesters to bring tents and other equipment back into the privately owned park where the now global Occupy movement began. Police, however, did not immediately let them in after city officials expressed health and safety concerns about the park just as the winter months roll in. Soon after the ruling, a large group of demonstrators, some of them apparently holding the court documents, marched back to Zuccotti Park and presented the documents to police. They said, this is a quote, we have a court order, the group chanted, as, if wielded, you know, as, as it wielded signs and circled the lower Manhattan Park. You don't have authority over a judge, they yelled at the police. At least two people were seen jumping over a metal barricade before they were forcibly removed by authorities. Video of the a video of the park showed security officers picking up one protester and tossing the individual over the fence. The mayor, this is a quote, the mayor, the police have been itching to do this for weeks, said Bill Dobbs, a spokesman for the loosely defined group. Um, he says, we are here to raise an outcry about economic conditions and not get into confrontations with police. 
Hundreds of police and private security guards filled the park and surrounding area Tuesday as demonstrators circled their former home base. Now, I was watching some of the uh, Occupy Wall Street live stream today about this, and they just had this enormous amount of people outside the park, you know, with police just refusing to allow them in. Have you talked to anybody who was part of that? Yeah, um, you know, uh, police were just uh, – they were typical, you know. They they don't want – they don't listen to other authorities. They don't want to. They act the way they think they should act at the moment, which will uh, preserve public safety, they say. Um, uh, and I've been told that they've been – actually, I've, I've heard, uh, may not be confirmed, but a woman <laughs> showed uh, the restraining order uh, that was obtained by the protesters uh, from an – a restraining order from an, an, ev- an eviction and, and showing that we were allowed to go back in the park, and then she got punched in the face um, so that just shows that police won't listen to uh, any other authorities. Uh, that logic doesn't fit in, inside their mind when when they're in a situation like this. In a situation like this, they think that uh, repressing brutally on us will help the the collective society and help everyone else and preserve public safety and such, which is a complete contradiction. But they feel sure. they need to have the need to act that way by not allowing, not letting people inside when they have the complete right to even legal right to do it. You know, I actually uh downloaded a copy of that restraining order uh that was being circulated on Facebook and I have I have it right here at least a picture of it uh Supreme Court of the State of New York County of the New York uh in the matter of the application of Jennifer Waller et al petitioners plaintiffs for a judgment pursuant to articles blah 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 Let's read the stuff in caps. The City of New York, New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, the New York City Police Department, New York City Police Department Commissioner Raymond G. Kelly, Fire Department of the City of the New York, Fire Department of the City of New York. I don't know why they do this twice. Commissioner, oh, Commissioner Salvatore Casano, Brookfield, uh, Justice Properties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, responded defendants, order to show cause and temporary restraining order to the above-named respondents, um, upon the immense, or basically receipt of the Gideon Orion Oliver Esquire, one of the petitioners, plaintiffs, attorneys associated with the New York City chapter of the National Lawyers Guild, sworn in on November, blah, blah, blah. But basically um, what we're looking at here is um, in order to show cause and temporary restraining order, uh, basically meaning that the, the city, it's, it's ironic that city officials are getting restraining orders from uh, the New York Supreme Court, you know, telling them to back the hell off. You know, and then you say the lady gets, you know, hit in the face for, you know, using that restraining order when it's actually the police's duty to, you know, to get those, you know, to um, basically to enforce those restraining orders. You guys right. are definitely looking at, like, the beginning of a, a serious police state situation. Um, there's a, a a film that I watch all the time from the 60s called Billy Jack. And at one point, uh, one of the cops that Billy Jack is dealing with breaks the law. And he says, well, when policemen break the law, then there isn't any law. Only the fight for survival, right? You know, exactly. And that's it's it's unfortunate that you guys are in this situation, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, it actually helps the movement when you think about it because you guys are kind of putting them in a position where they have to break their own laws to continue. You know, that's why things like live stream and uh, all that are actually so important right now. And alternative media, you know, whether it be podcasts like mine or you know or podcasts that are out there doing this work. It's important to circulate this information. Although I have to say, uh, Democracy Now's coverage that I saw of uh, Occupy Wall Street 
last night as it was happening seemed to be pretty good. Have you watched any of that? I haven't had a chance at all. You know, I've been really busy, but I expect democracy now to always be good. You know, it's very grassroots, independent media organization that is just amazing. Right. And so now, basically what we're looking at, you know, from those videos, which you can still find, I believe, on the, uh, I think it's called Global Revolution Channel from Livestream. Uh, they were playing some of that last night when the stream cut off just because Democracy Now! is still covering it as it was happening. Um, and they showed some of the widespread destruction that basically these cops just kind of came in with all of their little toys and then, you know, pushed everybody out of the park. And, you know, there was reports of, uh, like, people doing the, the linking arms together thing and cops beating them with their batons for it um, rather than just, you know, walking up and grabbing them. Yeah. You know, uh, it just uh, more, you know, they I, they said even children were being hit with batons. I mean, I, I can't confirm that, obviously, but that was just a, a witness who had ran over to talk to the lady from Democracy Now! at that time. Uh, and, it, you know, it was just a utter chaos at the same time, a great deal of contempt on the part of the police department. And it, it really makes you wonder, um, especially when they think that they can just kind of ignore the law whenever they feel like it. You know, what is the next step of that? You know, uh, inevitably, somebody from the other side of this is going to have to stand up. You know, that judge gave you guys permission to go back into the park. They ignored that. Uh, you know, you have a restraining order against them. They ignored that. Yeah. You know, so how do they think exactly they can get away with this? I mean, apparently the word that I had gotten in the chat room from uh, uh, Occupy Wall Street, the IRC chat room attached to your website, was that somebody had said that the mayor – claims that he was never served with any of it, so he wasn't honoring any of it. You know, as if you guys would just go to a judge or, or even worse, like just, you know, produce or, you know, create <laughs> restraining orders out of thin air, like it's in your best interest. Like, look, dude, the guy's got the document in his hand. You know, <laughs> obviously you should be acting accordingly. Yeah. You know, and you know, I guess it's it's interesting that, you know, just for whatever reason, maybe it's because the the state of Detroit is so – or the state of things in Detroit is so messed up that the cops are actually pretty sympathetic for us. Uh, wow. they're, they're hit just as badly as we are in a lot of ways. They're getting cuts and, you know, they're losing their pensions. Things like that are being taken from them. And, you know, so it's it's been a very different experience. We haven't had any problems with cops at all that I've seen, at least not when I'm out there. And the funny thing is, is you know, like even in the article I was reading while we were having trouble – you know, with the stream, you know, like I was saying, you know, Occupy, Occupy Detroit wins one-week permit extension to exit Grand Circus Park, you know, and there are several city council members here being quoted as saying things, you know, uh, basically benevolent about the move, about the movement in general. Like uh, one of them, you know, was they, they were basically equating it to the civil rights movement, yeah. you know, and uh, like all of us sit here because some people fought, because some people occupied, because some people demonstrated. Councilman Kwame Kenyatta said, they did it because it was the right thing to do. Um, so there was a few like city council members in Detroit that supported what was going on. I don't know what the status of the mayor is on that. I've heard Mayor Bing doesn't really care for us too much, but you know, um, I guess maybe it's just kind of a matter of like the 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 background of the place in general. Like for example, I I did a show a little while ago with some friends from uh, they they they're based out of California, so they know a little bit about the area. And I had mentioned to them the the clashes between Oakland. And the police there, I mean, that's just like, we're, that's like bordering on this straight out anarchy. It's like a riot over there sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, it just seemed like the processors also were really, really, really angry at the cops, you know, spitting on them, cussing on them and cussing at them and all that. And, 
what I was told by these people who live in California was, well, there's been a long-standing problem with the Oakland Police Department and the citizens. You know, so they apparently even before Occupy Wall Street, uh, the Oakland Police Department does not have a very good uh, um, relationship with the people nearby. So um, yeah. I guess, uh, you know, at the end of the day, though, that things like this, you know, that's it comes back to what we said earlier in our first interview, Lucas, was that when these kinds of things happen, especially the brutality, as horrible as it is that it happens, it is a victory for your movement every time it happens because it puts a spotlight on who is in the wrong. And when they're willing to, you know, break their own laws to continue this situation, that's when it starts to look like it's just personal, like some kind of, you know, battle of wills or, you know, just the, them being more concerned about, you know, not losing, you know, their you know face or something in that most primitive bully-like sense of the word, you know, uh, especially, you know, I guess that's the, the issue is it'd be interesting to see if somebody could ever pin this mayor down, like on a, you know, face nation or a hard, you know, hardball kind of way and just yeah. ask some hard questions. Now, um, so tell me a little bit more than obviously, I mean, I know that we, we talked a little bit about some of the stuff like Democracy Now! saw all of the the property just being picked up and thrown into dump trucks. And I kept hearing that the uh, the books, like 5,000 books in the People's Library were destroyed. Um, do you know anything about that? Yeah, actually, yeah. The, we had the, li- the library is probably the saddest part of what they dismantled. There was so much work put into that library. It's, it's just amazing how much people dedicated their time to establishing a library, uh, an amazing library. You know, we had 5,000 books out of donations there and people maintaining that, you know. And it was it's just terrible to see how such a lack of morality in um police in law enforcement officials how they throw out 5,000 books. I think that that serves as like a metaphor just to show how much they care about what's going on in the world, you know. They they should have just saved one of those books. Maybe they could have learned something about the economic situation, you know, cuz they're getting their pensions taken away just as much as we're suffering. Um so, you know, they, they throw out those 5,000 books and, just, like, they take orders and they don't look at it from a moral perspective. It's just really very pro-status quo and just disgusting how they throw out 5,000 books. It's, like, it amazes me how they can do that with, like, having a conscience, you know? Well, hey, at least they didn't just, you know, uh, throw them in a fire and start burning them like the Nazis did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You know, wonder how long it's going to be until we get to that, you know. Right, exactly. You know, so um, uh, let me see here. In a morning news conference at City Hall, Mayor Michael Michael Bloomberg said the city knew about the court order but had not seen it and would go to court to fight it. He said said the city wants to protect people's rights, but if a choice must be made, it will protect public safety. Um, About 70 people were arrested overnight, including some um, some who chained themselves together while officers cleared the park so that the sanitation crews could clean it. By 9 a.m., the park was power washed clean. Police and riot gear still ringed the public space, waiting for orders to reopen it. The city pro- uh, told protesters at the two-month-old encampment they could come back after the cleaning, but under new, tougher rules, including no tents, sleeping bags, or tarps. We talked about that earlier, which would effectively put an end to the encampment if enforced. Uh, Bloomberg said the evacuation was conducted in the middle of the night to reduce the risk of confrontation in the park and to minimize disruption to the surrounding neighborhood. Yeah, you know, I mean, minimize, you know, disruption, because after all, if I'm a citizen in the surrounding neighborhood, I certainly want to be woke up at two in the morning to the sound of police sirens, 
people yeah. fighting and getting pepper sprayed and beaten on, you know, that, that definitely sounds much less disruptive than, say, doing it during the day. You know, and then uh, basically it goes on to say the law that created Zuccotti Park required that it be made open to the public to enjoy for passive recreation 24 hours a day, Bloomberg said. Ever since the occupation began, that law has not been complied with as the park has been taken over by protesters, making it unavailable to anyone else. You know, um, why does that just sound like a big bag of hogwash? Uh, <laughs> and as far as, I mean, like, people still walk in and out of the park, at least in Detroit, all the time. But I know, I guess you do, you guys do have a lot more people than we do, though. You know, uh, what is it like? I mean, do you guys still have people who just you know, walk through, walking their dogs or whatever people usually do in a park in New York? Yeah, we we do, and and we have regular uh, we have regulars come by as they usually do every day, you know. And I think it's actually more it's better to have us there, so regulars can actually um, jump out of their normal lives and actually look at what's happening in the world, look at the injustice that's been created, and what people are doing to stand up to fight that. I think it should be uh, celebrated that someone's actually doing something, you know. In schools, we're taught to really uh, celebrate the achievements of the civil rights movement, how they stood up to injustice. But then when we do it now, we are brutally repressed, and, and they celebrate their oppression. You know, Bloomberg's, Bloomberg has been talking in very vague language lately in regard to Occupy Wall Street because he doesn't know what to say concretely because he knows that it's a lie what he's saying. And he wants to use vague language in order to, to convince people that, to go against us and to go on the side of the plutocrat he is, you know. Um, he's been using language like reporters weren't allowed in be- in order to protect other reporters. He, that, that if you think about it for five seconds, that's just like crazy. It just <laughs> you know? doesn't make any sense. It doesn't and, at you know, all. What that amounts to at the end of the day is they don't want a video of the police brutality. You know, that's really what it amounts to. I mean, it's even half of what I was hearing from people who were being, you know, who were, you know, witnessing what was going on was true. There would have to have been several incidents of police brutality. You know, if somebody's linked their arms together, then that's just a protest where you, you just drag them out. You know, the, those people generally don't resist in a peaceful protest. You just, right. you know, they might make you move them. That doesn't mean you need to be beating the hell out of them. You know, and that's, you know, it, 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 it's really, uh, it, it keeps bringing me back to one of the reasons why I tell people that, uh, it's necessary for us to maintain you know, the absolute peaceful nature at all times to continue to demonstrate who the bad guys are. You know, and I think it's amazing that you were also saying earlier that they didn't even allow you know, news helicopters to fly overhead. That's just crazy. I mean, you've you got to ask yourself, like, you know, um, wh- where does that kind of authority come from? You know, only from the top, you know, th- to, be, to make that kind of demand. And I can't imagine what they would think that was going to be the benefit to that. Like, you know, okay, so we don't allow any police helicopters. Um, what does that have to do with safety? It's Or not police helicopters, you know, news helicopters. Right. What does that have to do with safety? You know, uh, is a news helicopter flying overhead, you know, filming what's going on on the ground in any way going to hurt anybody on the ground? You know, yeah. obviously not. I mean, I doubt they were using any police choppers in this situation, so I don't – it just is – it keeps coming back to them just not wanting there to be any footage, you know, remembering, of course, what happened – when the footage of the Rodney King beating went out to the people of L.A., you can only imagine, you know, the kind of stuff they're probably concerned about at this point is, you know, the the outright war that would likely start, you know, if people were able to see what was going on in that park. 
you know, at that time, because until then it's always, you know, our word against theirs. And, you know, I usually don't have problems with police officers. Like I said, here in Michigan, you know, we've had a lot more luck, you know, they've, they've, you know, walked up and said, how are you guys doing? You know, and every now and then, like we might be playing music loud late at night and they'd show up and, you know, politely ask us, Hey, you know, there are people sleeping nearby here that are, that can't sleep because you guys, could you turn that down? Which to be honest with you, I feel that's a reasonable request. You know, if we're playing loud music at like two or three in the morning in the middle yeah. of the night and we're waking people up, you know, we're trying to protest the corporations, not the people who live in Detroit. Totally. You know, but but that's that's really been about it. You know, they're not showing up, they're not beating on anybody, and our mayor has even made it clear he's not going to order any forcible removal. So I just it's there's definitely a contrast to it, and I think it, I keep coming back to that just being. You know, what's at stake? You know, in Detroit, we don't exactly have a bunch of uh, huge, you know, 1% hubs. They've mostly abandoned this place. You know, they kind of sucked it dry, and then when they were finished with it, they just, you know, left it to die. That's basically what it feels like when you're in Detroit. We were nice enough at Grand Circus Park, though. We are right across the street from a Bank of America. Oh, wow, look at that. (laughs) We never hear from them or see them. The place is always really quiet. I think they know better than to poke their heads out. But, (laughs) you know. Um, Now, I guess, uh, what do you see happening in the future? I mean, I know obviously there's a GA going on there tonight where people are discussing what to do next. You know, obviously, uh, um, and I know you were talking about the possibility that people were suggesting that they might want to just go ahead and stay in the park anyway in violation of that curfew that was set up. You th- I mean, um, I'm going to say that I have a funny feeling that they're going to reach consensus on that. Um, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. The question that's going to come about is, you know, um, how, how is the, you know, how are the police going to react? You know, it's, it costs a lot of money to mobilize that many police. You know, they right. usually bring in people from other precincts. You've got to imagine they're not going to be able to pull that kind of crap every night. Um, I mean, at that point, it becomes like funding a war. Exactly. Um, you know, and it's it's getting there. I really wish it wasn't, but um, you know. So I guess now we look into the future. And you said you've got you've got people who want to stay there no matter how cold it gets. And you know, obviously that'll probably thin the numbers a little bit. But I think what it mostly amounts to is that we have to be able to you know have visibility in these places. You know, it's like even in Occupy Detroit when we've talked about maybe basing ourselves out of buildings, we're not going to stay there it's just more of a matter of that's where we're going to keep our equipment so we're going to keep our kitchens or whatever you know right. and then we're going to be in the park all the time you know that's where we spend our days hanging out there you know eating our meals there you know talking there maybe not sleeping there anymore but you know it's no matter what it's about having a big public image um that you know we're in your face all the time you know so i i guess basically now you know we've, we've talked a lot about the things that have taken place do you, I mean, do you have, have you heard any rumors about what you think will be the future in Occupy Wall Street? So far, I haven't heard any uh, concrete rumors. You know, uh, everything's just going to be surprised from now. You know, tonight's going to be as interesting as it was last night. Um, and I, you know, if if people stay and it's going to, you know, like you said before, it's it costs the, the, the police too much time and money, but at the end of the day, of course, it's our tax dollars, you know. Uh, but right. at the same time, they have to work overtime, and it's a lot of work for them to be doing that every night. 
and they think if people are willing to do that every night, we're we're gonna win. And and if people, if unions start to get more involved and start mobilizing and start really, really getting involved and mobilizing their members into helping us and protecting us and and getting involved in, in the struggle. I think we'll have a great chance because we're going to just have too many numbers for them. We're going to outnumber them as we have before, but we need to do that permanently. And I think where the future of this occupation lies in is really, you know, having a symbolic occupation, Zuccotti Park, is amazing. And I think it needs to stay in terms of having a place, a center, a hub, and a place of solidarity to really connect with people. But I think what is very crucial now is taking it to the next step to really start occupying high schools that are going to be closed down, to occupy factories that are going to be closed down where workers are going to have no jobs and are going to be unemployed, to start really occupying workplaces and installing horizontal ways of organizing and direct democracy and really challenging injustice in our, in our daily lives, bringing what we learn in Zuccotti back to our communities. And that's the next step we need to achieve. Now, um we were talking about that actually. There was an example that was given, and this is—I know this is tough to say with all the crap that's going on right now. But you know, the the police are people too, and one of the local Occupy groups, and I don't remember which one it was, but uh, they found out that a policeman was going to lose his home to foreclosure, so they they did an Occupy protest there to prevent that foreclosure. Uh, that kind of puts us in a position where the police start to understand that they're one of us too, you know. Um, so the question is, you know, what do we do to outreach to these people to remind them? You know, in some cases, like, for example, in England, there were a lot of cuts and a lot of cops lost their jobs. So you started seeing, you know, like during the, the, the protest rallies that were going on there, mostly with the students, there were cops that were joining the protests. Like, you know, you could see people walking around in their police uniforms, you know, holding signs. You know, eventually, you know, we're going to have to find a way to to find some of them. I mean, inevitably, there's got to be people, you know, somebody in the New York police force that supports what you're doing. The question is, you know, how do we find them? You know, and what do we do to, you know, to help them understand that, you know, we're not against them. We're against their bosses. You know, that's, I guess, the, you know, it's going to be difficult. And particularly, I mean, I don't see it happening in Oakland anytime soon. Yeah. You know, um, in Detroit, we pretty much already have it, you know. Um, the question is, is like, you know, have I mean, has there been any positive experiences with the police in New York, or has it all been bad? To be honest, you know, we see many rank-and-file um, officers show support a lot, you know, because a lot of them realize that their pensions are being lost, and they are a worker as well. But at the same time, in New York, it's, it's I, I don't recall many positive uh, uh, times or instances where the police have been even like kind to us they've been very hostile antagonistic and disrespectful to us even hitting women and and just being very abusive and violent um i think that that comes out of a direct challenge to authorities power that we have been doing you know when, it's another thing to have let's say um a rally a permitted rally every now and then you're not going to have scuffles with the police obviously but you are going to have this, you are you are going to have scuffles with with the police when you start not allowing workers of Goldman Sachs to get into the building to prevent business from going as usual to really challenge power directly that's when the police are going to get orders from uh the plutocrat mayor Bloomberg to step in and if they defy that order they're going to lose their jobs so it's inherent in their job and it's going to be their role and and um 
responsibility as a policeman to protect the interests of the 1% because they are funded by the 1%. For example, Mayor Bloomberg was a $30, $30 billion mayor. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's very hard in New York City. There's a lot of tension of the police, and I just don't see them coming on our side anytime soon. Um, I, I can see other alternatives to really gain popular support. That is one thing that I, you know, I've often told people that that was different about some of the protests around the world. Like, the main reason that Egypt succeeded was that they had the military on their side. Exactly. You know, and I mean, the police were not. The police kept doing whatever the president told them to. But it ended up coming down to like I remember watching footage of uh, Egyptian tanks pulling in front of protesters to protect them from police. <laughs> I mean, that was an amazing thing. I had a really right. great show on V Radio where I managed to get some people who were uh, in Egypt at the time to report to me what was going on on the ground, and that was a great show. Um, anybody who's interested, you can check that out in my archives uh, by going to v-radio.org or v-radio.org. Uh, clicking archives, you can find that along with a lot of other great shows, including my first interview with Lucas here. Um, and my second interview with him was basically bringing him on to my official Occupy Detroit edition of V-Radio, where we were talking about how great everything was in Zuccotti Park. <laughs> and then we were joking about this today, like a few hours later, everything falls apart. You know, who knew? You know, just it just kind of came out of nowhere and, you know, and shocked the heck out of both of us. Yeah, seriously, it was. I was very content with how things were going, and I don't know where it just went just the opposite way. It's it's just crazy. Mhm. Now, we've talked a bit about the future. We've talked a bit about the past, and you know, now we're kind of in a situation where we have to decide, you know, what what the state of the you know the present is. And I guess there's a big question mark about that. And I look forward to seeing what comes of this. You know. I want to thank you again, Lucas, for being on tonight. You know, uh, and uh, if you get any further updates or if anything big is coming on, please don't hesitate to let me know uh, what's going on as far as the the movement is concerned. And um, any uh, big news, especially if you get any announcements from the GA, that would be great. Because one of the things that I've noticed is a problem because we had the same problem in Occupy Detroit. Uh, rumors can get spread that are inaccurate, and right. it's good to have somebody that's on the ground like. You know, yeah, we were having problems in Occupy Detroit because they showed up, put signs up saying they were going to close the park at 10 and told us we needed to be out by Monday. And, you know, but then that got stretched into SWAT teams are attacking Detroit. <laughs> and we're like, no, that's not happening. Yeah, what right. They just you know? Yeah, for sure. So um, now I guess, uh, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about this tonight. Is there anything else that you want to say to the audience? Yeah, I, w I would just love to say to not lose faith, lose faith in this movement when we are being attacked uh, brutally by the police. We've seen it in Oakland happen where they've had their camp dismantled, and it's happening to, our, to us as well. You know, the literal and symbolic occupation of public plazas is very, very important, and that's just the start. You know, it doesn't have to last forever, but what does have to last forever is for horizontal, de direct democratic ways of organizing in our daily lives. We need to use the General Assembly format that we use in Zuccotti Park and bring it to our daily lives. We need to use the solidarity we have used in, in this national struggle and bring it to our daily lives and communities. We have to bring everything into our daily lives. That's what it's about. 
You know, if we don't organize horizontally and on, at a grassroots level in our in our communities, we're not going to get anywhere. We need to start at a community level, as what happened in Spain. We need to start having those general assemblies to empower our communities to challenge the state and break it down at a decentralized and local level all over the country. And I think that's what is really that that's what has potential and really um, succeeding and and growing as a movement, and as well as the occupation not to lose faith, you know, we're, we're in New York City, we're, we're just going to keep growing, don't you worry out there, we're going to, we're still strong. Um, somebody's asking from the audience, uh, is there still a place to camp in New York? I guess we don't really know that yet. Uh, um, just, you, do you know anything about it? Uh, not yet. Um, it is legal, though, in laws. In 2000, there was a court case that established that you are legally allowed in symbolic protests to sleep asleep on a public sidewalk in New York City while leaving room for pedestrian walkway. We have done it before, and that is the only alternative right now uh, to our illegal, uh, if you want to sleep on the streets. Um, but we have not collectively decided where we're going to sleep tonight or in the future. I'm sure that will happen in a couple hours, but right now it's not being confirmed. Right. Well, that would be uh, people were asking, I guess, because maybe they were you know, planning to come join you guys. Oh, you know, please. Um, V Radio has an audience that's like all over the world and you know all over the United States, so I never know you know who's going to call me from where. Right. So, um, but in any case, um, Lucas, so once again, I want to thank you for being on. As always, you know you're well informed and you know well spoken, and you you know you definitely represent your movement really well. Uh, I'd say that you definitely helped me to do what I have been doing to try to shatter the uh, garbage, you know, that the mainstream media has tried to label us with as far as all being a bunch of uneducated stoners who have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> you know, um, and I've, even in my research at Occupy Detroit, I, I just did not find any of that. That's the thing that I have to say that was so great about it is just the whole time I was there, I was always having a good conversation, an intelligent conversation, you know, whether it be in a meeting or just in a conversation sitting at the fountain or whatever it is I was doing. And it also had the, the atmosphere of a social gathering pretty much the whole time. It felt like a an intellectual party, so to speak. Um, I've always been hoping to be able to get to Zuccotti Park at some point to see what you guys are doing down there and maybe do a V radio broadcast from there. I've got to get some more... Um, uh, equipment for that purpose however unless i was able to use someone's computer and wi-fi down there but yeah. um in any case uh thanks again lucas for coming on tonight and uh i'm looking forward to further broadcasts about this and um to bring you on as a panelist when we're discussing different issues pertinent to what we're doing in that movement uh i'm also involved with the zeitgeist movement and the venus project and uh there's stuff along that line and to those of you who are listening tonight and you might even find this interesting lucas uh when we get off the air, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a link to look at. But uh, tomorrow night, I will have uh, Charlie Veach from the Love Police on to discuss his feelings on the Occupy movement. Charlie had stepped out of activism, but now is back. Uh, to those of you who haven't checked out the Love Police yet, you can check out my website, the-radio.org, and then go to the link section, and you'll find a link to Charlie's YouTube page. Uh, Charlie Veach is uh, a well-known activist, mostly in England, but he kind of traveled around the world. Like he went to the G20 in Canada, uh, you know, to get involved with stuff there. He walks around with a megaphone, you know, saying very provocative things there to the police. 
He will be on tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern time because he's in England. Um, and if you guys missed that episode, you, of course, can tune in um, via the um, recorded version of it later. Um, I'm going to go ahead and leave this version of the broadcast up for a while so that people can listen to it. I'm probably going to edit out the beginning <laughs> since we had all those technical problems. Um, but other than that, folks, uh, you know, please consider you know, going in and tuning in tomorrow. Um, in addition, V-Radio is a uh, listener-funded um, radio effort. So, you know, if you can afford it, consider entering into the V-Radio raffle, which uh, basically for the do every dollar value of a donation that you make, I enter you um, in as if you had purchased one ticket in the V-Radio raffle. If you win, then you get to pick something out of the V-Radio store, T-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs. Um, in fact, I just sent one to somebody in New York, uh, uh, Mr. Cassano, who won last time around. So just something to consider, folks. Even a dollar's donation gets you into the raffle. And uh, and thanks again, Lucas, for coming on tonight. And um, once again, uh, everybody who's tuned in, thank you for supporting V Radio so far. And also, uh, so that uh, because people were not you know completely clear on this, when I basically label a show as an official Occupy Detroit podcast, then that means that I'm doing an Occupy Detroit show. I'm pretty sure most of the V Radio people will find them interesting anyway. But it also means that at that point I'm speaking, you know, as a member of the media team for Occupy Detroit. Uh, when I'm not doing that, however, when I'm speaking, you know, on a regular V radio broadcast, do not hold, necessarily hold anything that you listen to in a you know, V radio broadcast as being anything that was ever involved with any consensus with Occupy Detroit. So that's just that disclaimer up there is to point out that V radio broadcast, while well, I will speak favorably of Occupy Detroit, don't hold Occupy Detroit accountable for anything I do on a regular V radio broadcast. So that being said, I'm going to go ahead and cap off this particular episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please visit my website, v-radio.org, and consider a donation. Check out the archives. Check out the must-see TV list of free documentaries to watch on the Internet that I think any activist should check out. And I'm going to leave you guys with some parting words from the Star from Network. Systems, and he died at 11 o'clock this morning of a heart condition, and woe is us. We're in a lot of trouble. So, a rich little man with white hair died. What has that got to do with the price of rice, right? And why is that woe to us? Because you people and 62 million other Americans are listening to me right now. Because less than 3% of you people read books. Because less than 15% of you read newspapers. Because the only truth you know is what you get over this tube. Right now, there is a whole, an entire generation that never knew anything that didn't come out of this tube. This tube is the gospel, the ultimate revelation. This tube can make or break presidents, popes, prime ministers. This tube is the most awesome goddamn force in the whole godless world. And woe is us if it ever falls into the hands of the wrong people. And that's why woe is us that Edward George Ruddy died. 
Because this company is now in the hands of CCA, the Communication Corporation of America. There's a new chairman of the board, a man called Frank Hackett, sitting in Mr. Ruddy's office on the 20th floor. And when the 12th largest company in the world controls the most awesome goddamn propaganda force in the whole godless world, who knows what shit will be peddled for truth on this network. So you listen to me. Listen to me. Television is not the truth. Television is a goddamn amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. So if you want the truth, go to God. Go to your gurus. Go to yourselves. Because that's the only place you're ever going to find any real truth. But man, you're never going to get any truth from us. We'll tell you anything you want to hear. We lie like hell. We'll tell you that uh, Kojak always gets the killer and that nobody ever gets cancer in Archie Bunker's house. And no matter how much trouble the hero is in, don't worry. Just look at your watch. At the end of the hour, he's going to win. We'll tell you any shit you want to hear. We do it in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You eat like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. <laughs>